0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Um, uh, again, before I get started, I, I want to, as was his comment, but sincerely, to give honor to God, uh, to give honor to God, to give him much respect um, because like the song said, our breath and our lungs is His. It's His. Everything I amen, every good thing we have is His, including my ability to talk and communicate and make, um, and, and make His name known. So I give honor to God for that. But also, I wanted to uh, shout out Pastor Brandon, man. Um, you know, I said this in the first service, and, and he and I have, have spoken before about it. Um, I have always uh, appreciated uh, Pastor B and uh, what I've discerned to be a sincere heart um, to uh, be a pastor, um, his sincere heart to teach, um, his sincere heart to serve. Um, you know, not everyone that's a pastor actually wants to pastor. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that he wants to. Loves you and is so good at it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Also, you know, not everyone who teaches can teach, you know, and he does that top notch. So I really, really appreciate him um, and his heart to serve. Um, I also uh, want to thank him for uh, the opportunity to, uh, you know, serve the vision of this local body, you know, as it um, as it connects with the the greater vision of the gospel. Um, I, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to not just serve up here on a platform but uh like Gabe was referencing there's so many different ways to serve you know whether it's folding chairs whether you know it's greeting people you know it is still an honor because we are serving the body and in serving the body we are serving our Lord who is worth it who is worth it so i thank you for that and thank you for listening to me. so uh let let me just jump in so there's a uh, there's a an idiom there's a uh, I guess a a phrase, uh, man of speech, it's called, uh, it says, uh, don't bury the lead. Anyone ever heard that? Don't bury the lead? Right. It's a journalistic thing. It essentially is uh, don't uh, save the best for last. You know, don't save the most important thing, that thing of high value for the end. Right. Most times when people preach or teach, you know, they, they, they give, you know, uh, the, the road leading up to the main thing, what, you, what they want you to leave with. I'm going to actually flip that. I'm gonna invert it. Um, one, because I just, I want you to have it, and why not? Um, but two, and I'm sorta halfway joking, halfway. Um, listen, look, I'm under no delusions. I know, like I said, that people that have tuned in and come to, come to Epiphany BK, they were expecting to see this, this fly brother up here with the always uh, fly uh, line up and the fresh steps and the gear, and instead you get me. So um, I don't, you know, obviously no one in here would do this, but you know, just for maybe visitors or someone online, please don't check out. But if you do, before you check out, um, I just want to give just just four things that I hope, um, if not anything else, you uh, uh, take from today. Is that all right? Great, fantastic. Um, So uh, number one, and these are these are four, and these are you know very you know deep and profound. they are, low key they are, but, uh, but they're simple. Uh, number one, number one, um, God loves you. Amen. God loves you. Okay? That's number one. Number two, God is your Father. This is particularly and specifically true for all those who have called and received the name of Jesus as their Lord, Savior, Redeemer. God is your father. Okay? So number 1, God loves you, God is your father. Number 2, number 3. God your father loves you. God your father loves you and lastly God your loving father has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ God your father has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ let's um let's let's pray oh father thank you Lord thank you God for your goodness for your mercy that is new, for your grace that is unyielding and never-ending, Father, for your love that is so deep, that is unfathomable, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your truth, Father, that stands throughout eternity, Lord. Thank you for your Son, Father, who makes all this possible, that we can come to you um, with boldness and certainty, Father, that you would receive us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this time. Let it be blessed Um, Let it be fruitful and beneficial, and let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable to you, Father. Open every ear to hear, um, heart to receive, and eye to see what it is you have for them today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, I, uh, can we talk? talk. Let's chop it up. So, um, just to keep it a buck, I honestly don't uh, make it a habit of titling um, talks that I do. Um, every now and again, something like pops in my head. Oh, that's it's kind of this kind of wavy. Let me let me put that in there. But most times, and not. I really don't. But for this one, some, it like popped. It was like just bam. Um, it's uh, the Good Father. The Good Father. The way it's written has a little you know parentheses around the O, so it can be a Good Father or Godfather. Good Father God. You see what I did? Right? Right? Patent pending. Patent pending. But but that is the the title of uh, today's talk. Um, so I've been reading this book uh, recently uh, from a uh, pastor and um, uh, theologian, writer, uh, Francis Chan. I don't know if anyone ever heard of him. He's a really prolific, really, uh, I, I, I dig where his heart is at, um, passed out in, I believe, San Francisco. And um, he wrote this book called uh, Crazy Love. Crazy Love. is years and years old. I think it hit 2007, 2008, but I'm just getting up to it, and it is it's like blowing my mind. Um, But anyway, he he goes on to say uh, that he wrote Crazy Love. The idea of Crazy Love has to do with his relationship with God. Actually, with our relationship with God. He says this. All my life, I've heard people say, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. It's probably the most insane statement that you can make that the God of the universe is in love with you. Say it again. All my life you've heard people say, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. It's probably the most insane statement you can make that the uh, eternal creator of this universe is in love with you. Like, and let's just unpack that for a minute. You know, it's kind of, I'm sure everyone in here, regardless of your spiritual context or where you come from, how long you've been walking in Christ, if you are walking in Christ, everyone essentially has heard God loves you in some form or fashion, right? It's almost, unfortunately, kind of taking the, 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 the form of a God bless you after somebody sneezes. Like, we don't give it much thought most times, you know. Um, but if we, if we allow ourselves to really, like, sit in that and meditate on that, that God, the uncaused first cause, the creator of everything, is in love with you, it is, it is overwhelmingly profound overwhelmingly, um, I was thinking of, you know, like if, if many of us, uh, <laughs> my boy is sitting up in the front, if many of us uh, are, uh, found out that Rihanna, like, was in love with us, lose your mind. Found out that Michael B. Jordan was in love with us, especially after that, you know, nasty breakup, we would, uh, s- some of us would, uh, would lose, our, lose our mind. Um, or Beyonce, or, or Justin Bieber, or whoever it is, if, if we found out that truthfully, Truly and truly, th- this person was in love with me. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. Well, um, truth be told, all that's fiction, though none of them love us at all. None of them love us. Um, it's okay, you know. Um, but what is true is that the God and creator, manager, sustainer of everything, the CEO and headliner of it all is in love with us. Francis Chan goes on to say, there is a response that ought to take place in believers, a crazy reaction to that love. Do you really understand the breadth and width of God's uh, of God loving you? Do you understand what that means? Well, Francis Chan, uh, he goes on to say, when he was, uh, when he his children were born, his own love for his children and his desire for their love was so strong that it opened his eyes to how much God desires and loves us. he says, through this experience of, of uh, having these children, of having his, his children, he came to understand that his desire for his children is only a faint echo of God's great love for me and every person he made. Read that again. He says, through this experience, the experience of loving and parenting his children, he came to understand that his desire for his children is only a faint echo. Echo, a faint echo, his fervent, passionate love for his children is only a, a breath compared to God's great love for me and every person he made. He says he loves his kids so much it hurts. I can relate. Um, Psalm 103.13, the living translation, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Matthew 7.11, it says, if you, and the implication is parents, if you parents... If you parents imperfect, some translations read wicked, some translations read sinful, but you get the idea. If you parents, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? Let me give because I can I see my, my babies in the front. Um, so I, number one, I was um, I'm born in Brooklyn. Um, shout out to Brooklyn Hospital
1: <laughs>
0: um, born in Brooklyn. And I, I think about my wife like, Whenever I say uh, I'm born in Brooklyn She's like, yeah, but you were raised in Jersey So I have to mention that I was raised in Jersey That is a fact That is a fact um, Dang, man, it was the same thing in the first service Y'all really, y'all really uh, Jersey is uh, Y'all really down on Jersey I get it. I get it. I ain't going to say I don't. But anyway, I was, uh, I was raised in Jersey, but uh, but that was my mama. My mama shipped us out to Jersey, so it's not my fault. But when I got agency and got old enough, I quickly came back to Brooklyn. So there's that redeemable thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Janelle, I'm married, uh, going on four years to Janelle. Uh, Drysdale Miller right in the front. That's my wife. That's my wife. J- Drysdale Miller, yes, that's my wife. Uh, we'll be celebrating four years this August, which is crazy, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and sitting on her lap is my beautiful daughter, Amani, who is two years old. And uh, sitting in between my two-year-old daughter and Janelle is our second daughter, who will be born in August as well. Um, thank you. You can give it up for that. You know that. Uh, N- name still pending, Names still pending, but you will, we'll reveal that later. Um, but yeah, so uh, we have a lot of stuff happening in August, to say the least. Um, but before I became a father, um, I'm sorry, uh, I became a father in uh, April of 2020. Now, for those who uh, just came to the planet Earth, uh, 2020, we were experiencing a pandemic, right? In some ways we still are, some degree. Um, but in March of that year, New York was shut down which was unprecedented. Like, everything shut down. And it just so happened that my daughter was due the next month later. So my daughter was born the April after everything had been shut down. Um, For those of us who uh, have kids, who have children, um, uh, having a child is uh, life-changing, to say the least. Like, you know, it kind of gets cliche, um, but it really is. Like, it... Changes your life on so many, so many different levels. Um, you know, Becoming a father, or even, or even before that, You know, my nephew Cam, Cameron if you're watching. Um, Cameron, my nephew, he's 10 years old. He was the first baby I ever held in my life. Um, even, so even being an uncle to him, or um, my, my, my mentee Trey, uh, who's going to be a junior in college this year. You know, uh, being a uh, mentor, all of those things, uh, parent, uncle, have, have been truly remarkable and eye-opening. Um, to say the least. Um, you know, it's to have someone look up to you and expect you to provide, um, expect you to uh, have the answers. You know, um, it is inc- incredibly, again, I keep saying it, profound. It is a privilege. Um, but honest, you know, if I can keep it a stack, it, is, uh, it can be intimidating. It can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. Um, and low-key, it can be even a little scary. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we have the responsibility or we have the lion's share of the, of the responsibility for making sure these uh, soft, impressionable uh, uh, clay humans, uh, aka called children, we have the responsibility of molding them and shaping them into productive, positive members of society. Right? Now, now thankfully, thankfully, that uh, task is not exclusively ours. You know, ultimately, uh, children, all of us, are uh, God's property. I smile because, of course, I think of Kirk Franklin. Shout out, <laughs> Kirk Franklin. But, but they are. And, 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 but thankfully, God is not leaving us alone with this responsibility for raising them. And knowing that, be honest with you, that takes a lot of weight off of the weight of parenting. Um, like, I love my kids a lot. I love them passionately. Um, but they are ultimately his. And he loves and is able to provide and take care of them far more, far better than I am. And again, there's a a weight that comes off with that. But the responsibility is still given to us. Our kids are ours. Um, I've heard it said that, and I don't know how true it is, but I've heard it said that the trick in raising kids, uh, children, is leaving them with the least amount of trauma as possible. I don't know how true that is, but I, but I, that 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 definitely resonates. Like, like, I, like, I vibe with that. I vibe with that a lot because you know, even for the best of parents, for the best of us, there are some unresolved, unintentional issues that linger in our lives despite our best uh, efforts because of our brokenness, because of our blind spots. You know, some of that trauma, unfortunately, bleeds onto our children, right? Some of it. Um, unbeknownst to us. And so the objective then becomes, all right, I'll try my best to acknowledge and recognize my stuff and deal with it before I have children, right? But you have it. And so the, so, so in the event that some of our baggage and trauma does bleed over on our children or spill over on it, the objective is to cultivate them and leave them with as many tools to navigate life, you know, uh, uh, a, a solid foundation, spiritual foundation, you know, a, a, a positive relationship with Christ, a safe and constructive uh, a community, you know, for them, um, you know, outlets for them to express, you know, themselves in some way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? You still with me? Yeah. Okay, bear with me. All right. Now, around the time my daughter was born, um, I don't know if it was her being born per se, or you know, maybe around that time I was uh, engaging in a lot of um, uh, mentorship. Um, or, or just maybe it was the point of life I was in, or maybe all three, but I don't know. But at that time, I began to relate and recognize and acknowledge God's uh, fathership and parenting of me. Um, like a lot. Like even like to this day. And, and thinking back on it, it kind of makes sense because um, <laughs> I shared this in the first uh, service. You know, uh, years prior, years before I obviously I met my wife, um, I was actually engaged. I was engaged to another woman, uh, Sybarth. Shout out to God for uh, allowing me to to dodge that bullet, because um, that would have uh, that would have been a different story. She's great, but I appreciate that. That's my that's my dove right there. I appreciate that very much. Shout out God. Um, but 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 during that time, because I was uh, you know thinking that I was about to be married, you know I wanted to be a good husband. You know I wanted to be a good man, and my manhood or my lack thereof. Began to be in the front of my mind a lot. Like it wasn't that I was like a bad dude or a bad guy per se. You know, like listen, there would be people that think that would say that I was a nice guy, right? But how many people know that being a nice guy is not equal to being a man? Like there are a lot of really really nice guys that are incredibly immature. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So they're not the same thing. But that's a whole a whole other talk. Um, But I I didn't want to assume that being a man, the equation for being a man was age plus, you know, deep voice plus hair in your chest plus good job. That equaled a man. Right. I didn't want to assume that. Right. Thankfully, there was a a brother in my life, um, a mentor at the time, and he uh, hit me to this truth. He said. Manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous Said manhood and Christ-likeness were synonymous. Basically, what that means is if simply put, if if you wanted to know what being a man was, look at Jesus. If you want to know how a man would, you know, treat women, if you want to know how a man you know treated children, if you want to know how a man you know dealt with money, how a man you know dealt with people who really don't you know vibe you, don't like you like that, check out Jesus. Right now, that was so empowering for me at the time, you know, because uh, in, 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 in really kind of understanding that I didn't have to continue feeling around in the dark for what it was to be a man. You know, I didn't have to continue uh, getting my cues from television or getting my cues from the music or even getting my cues from well-meaning people in my family or women. Like for me, it, Jesus was it. It was it was there. And I, and there was no uh, mistaking it like I had blueprint. And I still have the the, the blueprint. Jesus is still um, instructing me on what it is to man. So similarly, just like with manhood, when I was approaching fatherhood, in the same way I looked to Jesus um, and God the Father, I looked at God the Father and Jesus um, and looked at how he parents, namely how he parents me. Um, there's a quote from this English uh, writer, philosopher, a theologian. His name is G.K. Chesterton. And this uh, quote is taken from a book called Orthodoxy. He says this. He says, I've come to more of my conclusions in life about God by observing children than from any volume in philosophy. Say it again. I've come to more of my conclusions in life about God By observing children than from any volume in philosophy. Basically, what this man is saying is that he acquired a healthy portion of understanding about God, specifically how God relates to us and us to him by engaging with and interacting with children. Again, that resonates a lot with me. Um, you know whether it's observing my daughter uh, and observing my, my nephew, um, mentor, um, mentees, or even myself. Like I see, I see how God's relating to us uh, is parallel to that parent-child dynamic. Like for example, you know I, I can see how the love of a parent to their, the love, my love towards my daughter, is very akin to how God loves me, right? Um, I love Amani, and she has done nothing to deserve my love. In fact, I loved her as soon as I knew she existed. She did nothing. She did nothing. And I was in love with her as soon as we got the, we saw the blue stripe, I was in love with her. It was a really, because I didn't see that coming. It was so incredibly weighty. but that is a, a, a faint representation of how God loves us. I can see it how, and yet, and she did this yesterday when Amani she was on a, a high ledge, and not a high ledge, like this high, um, high for her, and she jumped off it, expecting me to catch her. I caught her. You know, I catch her like 98% of the time. Um, even when I'm not looking, even when I'm not looking, she jumps off. And, you know, because I got like cat-like reflexes, I can scooper, but like the expect her expectation is that, of course, my father's going to catch me. Of course, because he's my father. He loves me. You know what I'm saying? That is such a beautiful picture of biblical faith, what God expects of us, to us to step off, not all willingly, but step off knowing that our God has us, right? I got a million of these. I can go on and on. Like I, I was in the car with Imani the other day, and... We were going to this event. It was stepping into an Uber. She didn't know who the Uber driver was. She didn't know who the what this car was—a strange car. But she got in and she went to sleep. She rested in my in my arms, actually on my lap. You know, she didn't know where we were going. She didn't even know who was driving the car. All she knew was that her father was there, and she could rest in that. Again, such a beautiful picture of the rest that God desires of us—for us to trust Him enough that we rest in him. Like I said, I got a million of these, a million, a million, on and on and on. Amani's my daughter's entry into my life, has been, uh, has been such a far-reaching impact on me. You know, and, uh, she, uh, Among other things, my relationship with her has been the catalyst toward a deeper understanding and relationship with God. You know, Being a parent has been one of the, shoot, the great realizations of my life. To be honest, you know, through this, through, my, through this beautiful relationship with this little girl, I have been blessed with the privilege, the beautiful perspective, a glimpse into how God sees, relates to, and loves me and you as his child. Look, whether you have children or not, this is not exclusive to us parents, whether you have children or not, I would offer you that same perspective today an awareness and a receiving of God's parental love of you. Um, If I can bottom line it, just to put everything on the bottom line, uh, understanding God is my father um, and me as his child has been game-changing. It's been groundbreaking. Um, But see, but check this, what makes it all possible is not me, it's God. God is the one that said that we can call him father, right? It's not like, you know, I got friends and I'm sure you do and you know, maybe some, some in here. Like, we, you know, oh, yeah, man, the, the universe loves me. The universe is going to get this and that. universe does this that. I'm like, how you know that? universe never told you it to loves you. How do you? universe don't love you, boo. You know what I'm saying? God does. God has said he does. Jesus has said that. Or in fact, Jesus has instructed us that we look to God as father. Check this out. Here's scripture with it. Uh, Luke 11, um, starting from verse 1, it says... Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And when he said, I'm sorry, and Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallow be your name, your kingdom come. Matthew 6, uh, verse 7, it says, and when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, praying as they do, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now for those of us who know, those, that is the beginning of what is commonly known as the Lord's prayer. Just a little background. So um, in Matthew 6, Jesus uh, had just finished telling his disciples to not be like the Pharisees and the Gentiles. The Pharisees were the religious uh, uh, Jewish leaders of the day and Gentiles were anyone that wasn't a Jew right? You and I would be, would be Gentiles. So uh, Jesus is saying, don't pray, like, don't pray like they do. Being all out front and, and dragging it, you know, being all, you know, verbose, using big words and, and or not big words, uh, repetitive words, you know, trying to impress God or really trying to impress all those who are listening. Jesus is like, don't be like that. Don't, don't, don't pray like them. Don't pray like the Gentiles. Instead, pray like this, then he proceeds to model how they should pray, right? Luke, similarly, Luke, uh, in the Luke version of the story, Jesus is off praying. One of his disciples comes up to him, asks him how they should pray, and then Jesus goes on to uh, teach him how they pray. Now, in both the Luke uh, telling that story and, and in Matthew, Jesus begins this prayer in a very specific way. I mean, already. Uh, quoted it to you. If it was up there, you've already read it. But before I tell you what he said, I'm going to tell you what he didn't say, right? Jesus could have started his prayer by saying any one of these. He could have said, you know, oh, great and and powerful Yahweh. Oh, you know, King, Lord. Oh, uh, uh, most high God. He could have said any of those things and all of them would have been true because God is all of those things, but he doesn't. I don't know if uh, anyone was here uh, uh, this uh, past Wednesday when Pastor, uh, Pastor B was uh, gave that dope uh, Bible study. But he said uh, within it, he said, you know, pay attention to every word that's in the Bible because it's significant. It's important. Jesus begins this blueprint prayer by saying, our Father. I think that is so dope. Like like I said, Jesus could have started this prayer any, any number of ways. Our King, our God, our Lord, any one of ways. Our Master, he could have used any one of those things, but instead he begins with our Father. And if every word, specifically the words that Jesus uses, are intentioned and purposeful, then we have to, uh, we, we have to assume that our Father... Our Father is more than just a sentimental, nice, poetic beginning to a prayer. It has significance. It has weight. I would posit this explanation, that by beginning the prayer with our Father, Jesus is making a declaration, an instructive acknowledgement towards his disciples and all of us who throughout history will come to Jesus and receive him as our Lord and Savior. That declaration is that the God of all creation is, in fact, our Father. And that's how you can come to him. In Scripture, a um, little background. It's noted that Jesus said our Father at least 150 times, or referred to God as his fi- Father at least 150 times, and referred to God as our Father at least 30 times. Um, and that's, and that's, uh, that's not on accident. Within that region And cultural context, um, receiving or hearing God as your father would have been uh, received as really, really, really good news. Because what would be assumed is that there is provision. There's protection that comes from that. There is the uh, the, um, uh, uh, expectation of inheritance that comes with being a child to a father in a natural sense, certainly in a spiritual sense. Now, what's crazy is that Father is in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. The Old Testament verses that these Pharisees would have read, would have, mem- was, would have committed to memory. But for some reason, they, uh, uh, they really were um, incensed when they heard Jesus say our father. They, they considered it blasphemy to call God their father because they perceived it to mean that Jesus was equating himself with God. Now, two things can be true at the same time because, in fact, he was. But also, he was just reestablishing what had already been established in the Old Testament, that God is your father. Um, while I was uh, prepping this talk, I was like looking through like notes and whatnot, and I kind of stumbled on this thing that I would written way back in 2020. Like I said, 2020 was the year that you know, my daughter was born, and I was kind of you know, really uh, vibing off of this concept of God being father and parenting. And I wrote this, and actually, when I read it, I was like... Bro, did I write this? This is like dumb good. Um, uh, But uh, I'll read it. It says, um, I wrote, uh, God as father is a title given to God in various religions, but most prominently in Judaism and Christianity. Just look. The truth is, God as father is not exclusive to Christianity. It isn't. Um, with the exception of like Islam, you know, I know like God being father, at least in the Quran is like, that's a no, no, that's, that's pretty, almost insulting to refer to Allah as, as father. So not in Islam and probably not in Buddhism because it's, a um, you know, the, the concept of deity, you know, it kind of, you know, take it or leave it. And, you know, some of them do, some of them don't, but with the exception of those two, yeah, other religions do, there is a father of God, you know, uh, God as father is a thing. I go on to write: The Jewish people affirmed a belief in God the Father, the Almighty, primarily because He was Father or Creator of the universe. Now, broadly speaking, broadly speaking, God is a Father to to us all, Uh, whether you're Christian, regardless of what your spiritual understanding is. In so much as that He created or fathered us all, right? But there's a difference. There's a difference. I wrote, God is addressed as father in part because of his active interest in human affairs and the way that a father would take interest in his children who are dependent on him. And as a father, he will respond to humanity, his children acting in their best interest. This is also true in the New Testament. But the concept of God as the father of Jesus Christ goes far beyond the concept of God as merely a creator and father of all humanity. It's not just just that God is active in our affairs and relates to us as such, but now... Through the work of Jesus Christ and the cross, we may now have intimate, personal relationship with God. That's different than, you know, accessing some far off, nebulous, you know, abstract deity, right? This is an intimacy that we can have. With the God of the universe, a relationship more akin to father and child than creator creation. In Matthew 6, Jesus sets it straight. He sets the tone right up front. With one word, he's like, listen, miss me with all that, you know, what what the religious leaders are saying. He's making known to his disciples that this God that you rightfully worship and rightfully revere is also your father. The Lord and creator of the universe and everything in existence is also your loving parent. The implication is that with any follower of Christ, not only can you communicate with God and come closer to him in prayer, which um, low-key, that's a major key when it comes to communion with God, prayer. Not only can we do that, but also we can relate to God, we can relate to him as a loving, invested father. I know I keep saying it a lot, but I want this to be drilled in it, that God is your father, a protecting and providing life giver, a parental authority uh, of infinite power and love beyond human measure. God loves you. God loves you and has intended you uh, for, for, for intimate relationship with himself. Like I said, that was a bit different than the other uh, uh, religious contexts, uh, both then and now. Um, now, although Jesus' relationship with the father was unique, I mean, he, he is the, the only begotten son, so it is, there's a uniqueness. Um, Jesus also enables us and encourages us to come to, to, come to call God Abba, Father, uh, which is an Aramaic, loosely, an Aramaic version of, of, of our daddy, right? He encourages that. Uh, think about this, think about this. God is your king, right? God is your king. Um, yes, he's your Lord. Alpha and omega, beginning and the end. Um, yet within the, that intimacy, he is something more. He's an always pre- present father. Look, um, a, a king, uh, it's not necessary for, for you to love a king. A king primarily wants your loyalty, right? D- your love, yeah, you love him, you don't, but it's not necessary. A king wants your loyalty, right? Uh, a creator uh, wants, your, wants, the, uh, wants the credit, he wants the acknowledgement, like, I created this thing. That's why I like to put the name on it. I created it, right? Um, a master wants your obedience, right? Doesn't necessarily uh, love, right? Um, employer, an employer wants you there on time, right? Um, not exactly love has incorporated that. Um, but listen, for sure, all, God is all of those things, all of those things, However, within Matthew 6 and G, and, and Luke, uh, Luke 11, when asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray, God specific, specifically and intentionally chooses to use the word Father. Even though he's all those other things, he chooses when asked what the blueprint is, what is the basic prayer, he says, call God Father, regard to him as Father. See, because the, good, because the thing is, a good parent wants love. And a good parent loves. A father, mother, they want love. <laughs> a good parent loves their kid even when they act up. Not that my kid is acting up right now. A good, kid, a good parent loves their, uh, uh, loves their kid uh, uh, even when, and especially when they've even gone the wrong way. That's a, that's a parent. That's a father. Okay, now I, I know because my time's up, I, I've, <laughs> I didn't want to kind of like beat this in the ground with the Father, but I, I really wanted to, like I said, drill it in there. So there are a bunch of implications that come with God being Father. Like I said, you know, uh, God being our Father as opposed to simply King and Lord and, and, and or Master implies that we aren't meant to just have a general relationship with God. See, the truth is everyone has a relationship with God. Everyone does. Um, some people ignore him. Some people... Uh, obey or disobey. Some people deny that he's there. Um, It's a poor relationship, but it is a relationship. God as father implies that we were never meant for just general relationship. We were meant for intimacy. We were were meant for closeness. So that's one. Number two, and this is personal for me, you know, like God being a father, it, it actually allows me, like I can wrap my head around father um, I don't live in a monarchy. I never lived in a monarchy. Some of you may have, um, but relating to a king—that's foreign, right? I can read up on that. I can study it. You know, I can. You know, like what I see on like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Like I can get the basic gist of what it is to have a king, but it's something that I have to study. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not uh, 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 something that uh, is is common for me, right? Similarly, the same thing with Lord. Right, I have to. I've never called anybody Lord before. It's something that I have to look into and okay, what is this dynamic? But Father, Father, I can wrap my head around. Even if you've never had a father or or or, you, or your father maybe wasn't the best, you know we know intuitively what a good father is: patient, loving, kind, you know, protective providing, all of those things. We know that intuitively. I love Matthew 7 11. It says, if you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask them? Um, I was talking to my wife Janelle about, about this yesterday when I was kind of, you know, uh, bending her ear of what she thought of what I was going to say. And there's a, a section that I was kind of questioning whether to, to include it. Now, I mean, I've already said it, so I got to at this point. But uh, it's kind of an aside. I wanted to, because I've had conversations with people, and they say, "Well, you know, yeah, God is your father, but He's not your mother." That's incredibly sexist. You know, that's, uh, you know, why, you know, why a man, why you know, this patriarchy, right? Maybe some in here. It's cool. Um, I wrote this. I wrote this because um, it, because it is important that that we understand this. Now, although God being referenced, referred to as father, well. It's called, and I looked this up, it's a grammatical gender designation, right? And although that grammatical gender designation is given to God in the Bible, it isn't the only designation. Female and maternal metaphors are also given for God throughout the scriptures. Like, um, he nurses and comforts his people like a mother, right? Also, the word, the word spirit and wisdom are feminine, Right um, In Old Testament language uh, There's also this other reference in the New Testament, uh, New Testament Is Matthew 23, 37 Where Jesus, he says His heart was filled with compassion And he gazed over at Jerusalem And he refers to God desiring to gather To gather his people To gather Israel close to his bosom Like a mother gathers her chicks Like a mother hen gathers her chicks So again, um, God isn't exclusively to be understood paternally Within the scriptures However However but that being said, Father is how God is officially addressed within Scripture. Jesus himself prescribes it, like I said, in that Matthew Scripture and in 11. Now, this doesn't mean that God himself is biologically male. That's not what that means. God isn't embodied. You know, John 4, I believe it says God is spirit, right? It's, it's, and, it's, and it's important that we understand that, that both men and women were created in the image of God. Um, because God actually, in many ways, is, uh, you know, beyond those definitions. But I digress. I digress. Um, my daughter. Hey, Amani. Amani, come here. Come here. Oh, this is... Come here. Come here, baby. So, uh, if you didn't know, this is, this is my, it's my daughter. Um, like I said before, uh, I have loved Amani... Shoot. I'm all emo. Let me stop. I loved her before she was born. Like, as soon as I I, I knew she existed, I loved her. Um, There's nothing she could do to earn it, nothing. In fact, she could do the most horrendous things and it would break my heart. But that has nothing to do with the love that I have for her. In fact, that's the reason it breaks my heart, because I love her so much. right? She could ask me for anything. And if it was good, if, it, if I knew that it wouldn't destroy her and diminish her, I would get it for her. That is so like how I love and weep over this, this little girl. This is but a mere echo of how God loves you and how God parents and fathers you. And also, I didn't have or, you know, we didn't, Amani uh, 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 wasn't conceived because I was lonely And I needed someone to talk to. Amani was born out of my love for her mother and her mother's love for me. In a similar way, in a similar way, God didn't create you because he was lonely. That's not true. I I probably at some point in my life ascribed to that. That's not true. God wasn't lonely. God is self-contained within the Godhead of the Trinity. He wasn't lonely. He created you similarly out of the outflowing of his love. The manifestation of His love. There's a um, there's a scripture Ephesians two ten. It says that uh, it says that we are God's handiwork. Some translations read we are His His workmanship, His masterpiece. Right. That line. Um. Uh, no, sorry. That word masterpiece uh, in the Greek is the word poema. Poema is where we get the word poem. Right. So in a very real way, each of us are God's. Poem. I don't know if any, any writers in here you know write poetry, music or whatnot, but when you write something, you are you are deliberate, you are intentional, you write it with 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 vision of what you want it to be. That's us. We are deliberate, regardless of if you think so, regardless of anyone's ever said that to you. You are deliberate. You are created with purpose. Most importantly, with love. Here, go back to your mama. I love you, baby. To your mom. Go ahead. Can you go back? Go ahead. Okay. Almost done. Now now, look, I, I, I want to I wanna, uh, be delicate with this, and, and we're wrapping up, I want to be delicate with this because perhaps for many of us, um, some of us may have uh, experienced trauma uh, at the hands of our fathers, um, our earthly fathers, um, whether it's a trauma of commission or omission. Um, and the notion of yielding or trusting a heavenly father is a non-starter, right? It's foreign, and it's even scary. Um, you know, some of us low-key, you know, expect how our earthly fathers have treated us to be how our heavenly fathers treat us. And that makes sense. That, 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 that makes sense. Um, we think that we have to work for God's love, or if we mess up, then he'll take his love away from us because that, unfortunately, is how our fathers have treated us, not mine, thank God. Um, but... Um, Again, like I like I understand how uh, trusting an unseen God is so difficult, Um, uh, particularly when our seen Father was less than optimal. And that's obviously putting it uh, putting it kindly. Um, When you hear me to ask you to trust in God as your Father, heavenly otherwise, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot, and that's real. Um, You know, some of us have had like really terrible experiences, you know, with our fathers, with our earthly fathers, and that's real. Um, Again, it can be challenging to trust an unseen. Father, when our seeing father has done a lot of wrong to either us or to our families. Um, maybe he wasn't what he should have been to you or your family. And again, I get it, that's legitimate. Um, there's a video, you can cue it up. Uh, Kirk Franklin, I saw, he did this video, I think it was on Father's Day. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's up, but check it out.
1: My spiritual mentor told me over 20 years ago, it's hard to know God's love as a father when you've never had one. And that is so real. I have struggled my entire life since I've been a believer, honestly. Uh, not believing that I love God, but having a difficult time believing that He loves me. It's work for me. And it's a confession. And so, this Father's Day, for those of you that live with that limp. Uh, His grace is sufficient Sometimes some, Some things He doesn't remove Some things He keeps To keep us humble And in the words of Charles Stanley Whatever pushes me to my knees Is good Happy Father's Day To those without a father Amen
0: Yes His grace is sufficient His grace is sufficient. And I would, I would humbly, as I close, I would humbly submit to you, try getting to know God. Try getting to know God. Get to know him. You know, God is knowable and wants you to knowable. The thing is, what good father wouldn't want to be known by their children? My daughter usually is in children's church. Um, I, I asked my wife to bring her here, and it's a, you know, you know, she's all over the place, hot baby. Um, but I asked her, and w- whenever I'm speaking, I want her there. I know she doesn't understand what I'm saying, but I want her to know me, you know, not just from here, but especially from here. I want her to. <laughs> I want her to see how much my father loves me, and how I try to communicate that to her. Through word, through how I love her mother, through how I treat people, I want her to see that because I want her to know me. Your father, too, your heavenly father, wants that of you. And he is noble. He is noble. Um, and check it no one is expecting you to, uh, ignore, uh, like, God isn't expecting you to trust in him if you don't know him. He's not. That's why in the it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you get to know God? You know, because just saying uh, get to know God can be kind of abstract. You know, how, how do you get to know God? One, through his word, his written word, absolutely, um, but also through Jesus. Through Jesus. Colossians 115, it says, he is the exact living image of the unseen God. This is Jesus. He is the exact living image of the unseen God. 2 Corinthians 4 4, uh, says Christ, who is the exact image of God. Jesus even says it of himself in John. He says, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. So you want to get to know God the Father? Get to know Jesus. You want to know God's character? Get to know Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest like I said, Amani and I, and I'll close with this, Amani and I went to uh, this event yesterday and we were in this Uber and when we got in the car, you know, she was nodding off and nodding off and uh, she said, which she probably is now, she said, I'm tired and then, she, and then she fell asleep on my lap. It wasn't until she admitted that she was tired that she actually rested. Now, the thing about Jesus saying to come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, first you have to... Acknowledge and admit that you are weary and heavy laden. You have to acknowledge a need for the savior beyond it just being a good idea, beyond God just being, oh, you know, yeah, that's the thing to do. You have there has to be a a tangible need and a recognition of that I need, I'm weary, I'm tired, and I need a savior. And if I could. I would offer that to you, that you receive Jesus. I don't ever assume that everyone listening to me, whether church or otherwise, knows Jesus as their Savior. I'm sure you've heard of him in your lifespan, but have you received him as your Savior and Lord? Do you know God as your Father, not just as some far-off deity or some nebulous universe or some abstract concept, but do you know God As Father, I would ask for you to consider that. Consider that. And not because I'm trying to, you know, pull at your heartstrings or get you all emotional or anything like that, but I want you to consider that. Consider that. Whether you've been going to church all your life or this is your first day, consider that Jesus, that you need a Savior, that Jesus Christ, by the power of God and his Holy Spirit, offers you new life, offers you invitation into his family beyond just being a creation, beyond just being an employee, but being a son and daughter and all the things that come with that. Just like I love my my daughter or how some of you love your nephews, sons, daughters, God loves you infinitely more. I would offer that to you. Amen.